Hello, everybody, and welcome to the No Limits Waterfall podcast, where there are no limits on who we talk to or what we talk about. The sponsor of today's show is, of course, Tangle Free Waterfowl, makers of the finest waterfowl gear on the planet. As I have said before, if you are a seasoned waterfowl hunter, you know the value of having quality equipment. If you're just getting into the game, don't spend time buying cheap gear that you have to replace every single year. Tangle Free is waterfowl gear built by waterfowlers. I know that that is just a radical concept, but it works. So, take your little finger, not right now because we're getting ready to start the podcast, but when we're finished, go to Tangle Free. Dot com and check out all of their really super cool gear, blind bags, layout blinds, panel blinds, decoys, you name it, they got it, tanglefree.com. My guest today is a CrossFit athlete and competitor, as well as a nutrition coach. Some of you know him as the founder of Kings of Grit, which is a nonprofit organization whose focus is bringing CrossFit programs into correctional institutions and jails, working with inmates and helping them build the character they will need to lead rewarding, productive lives outside of prison walls, which is so important because so many people leave incarceration and return right back to what they were doing, uh, doing the same things that landed them there in the first place. Uh, He's also in the process of opening his own gym in Memphis, Tennessee. He is a duck hunter, a deer hunter, an elk hunter, a savage, and just a super motivating dude. In this episode, we talk about the four core values of his Kings of Grit program and how those values actually align with some of the most successful corporations in the business world today. It's a fascinating conversation. Um, We really had a great time discussing not only his journey, up to this point, but also what's on the horizon, both professionally and personally. So please welcome my guest today, founder of Kings of Grit, Mr. James Lancaster. Look Jack. Do you work out today? Look at you. Beast. Uh yeah, I worked out today. I did uh some snatch work. I did uh wall balls, bar facing burpees overhead squats at 135 and bar muscle ups what do you weigh now uh gosh that's a great question i hardly ever get on the scale anymore uh maybe 210 213 something like that how tall are you six foot so your bmi it would still say that you're overweight though oh obviously <laughs> i was talking to my wife about that last night yeah uh, what what are your what are your thoughts on that whole body mass index thing? I'll tell you this, I I'm so far removed from that I can't even give you an opinion. Good, like none of that matters. I don't even pay attention to that because you know when I'm that. coaching somebody, it's all based on like how the person's feeling, um, you know, their yeah. biofeedback. So that's really yeah. what matters. Because I did mine, like just for shits and giggles, I did mine. Yeah, I'm six four. 240 so my my bmi is like 29.2 yeah <laughs> like whatever just under obesity like another half point awesome. and i would be labeled obese obese that's crazy. so yeah for it to be normal weight i'd need either need to be eight feet tall or like under 160 pounds so unbelievable dude i don't put much stock in it I'm, i mean i think like you said it's all in what you're 
Well, that's it. Also goes back to the food pyramid. If you've ever looked at a food pyramid, it's that's pretty much a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I started. You saw me. I started smiling as soon as you said God, it. God, the food pyramid. Bless its heart. Because like you would be, you would be obese too. And dude, you're the furthest thing that I've ever seen you from obese. <laughs> so I just think we're gonna chalk it up to total bullshit. Yeah, a lot of. You know, a lot of camo and waiters can hide a lot. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> One of the things that I found, like, fascinating when we first met was your nonprofit, Kings of Grit, mm-hmm. and the impact that the program is having on people who are leaving institutional life and preparing to reenter society. Yeah. Um, we'll go into, like, the core values in a bit, but right off the bat, what are some of the results that you can talk about now as you see guys go through that program? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, these guys, you know, these some of these guys don't see life 10 minutes down the road from them. So it, it's kind of hard with some of the things that I tell them, but whether it be inspirational or just kind of like, you know, work life or whatever that may be, you know, I get deer in the headlights a lot. Um, but you know, the things that I see is these guys are able to have something that is their own. And that's what I tell them all the time is like, when we're doing this, this program is them. Um, I facilitate it. You know, I go in and blow the first whistle. And then from there, man, like there's, everybody has a strategic, you know, thing where they're held accountable. Like it doesn't move forward unless someone is, you know, doing the warm up, getting the dry race board, putting the teams together, teaching how the workout goes. All of that stuff is put into play. So it's giving them a sense of accountability, but also a sense of pride in their thing. Right. Um, so that's the biggest deal. Cause you know, when you leave and you, you enter corporate life, you know, that, 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 um, uh, that says a lot. You're able to speak the language when it comes to a mission statement and core values and things like that. They're able to speak the language and, and, you know, fitness and competition, all that stuff is just a catalyst. Um, that's just kind of what I use to show that. And, uh, you know, it parallels really well. What about inmate behavior? Because you, a lot of what we just, a lot of what you just said is like preparing them for when they get out. Mm-hmm. What about inmate behavior while they're inside? I mean, are guys? Do you hear from the correctional, you know, professionals there, the per- correctional officers that they're easier to manage? Does the institution see like a decrease in in violence with the guys that participate? Or they- oh yeah, man. I mean, when I come in, they they look forward to it all the time. I've been doing this three years, a little over three years now, and there is no. I've never had a fight. I've never even had a yelling match. Um, really? Ever. But I've also set the precedent as soon as I came in. Like, I'm not a drill sergeant. Like, I do not come in there to yell at you, scream at you, tell you what to, like, that's not what I'm here for. You are to look at me as a resource. I'm here to give you something that you may have not ever seen or had before. And, you know, they look at it that way. Uh, they understand that I'm here to help them. I'm here to level those guys, period. There is no, you know, if you don't want to work out and you don't want to be a part of this, it, it's, it's okay. Go sit right. in your cell. I'm here to help you. So regardless of what your athletic ability is, what your mentality is, whatever that may be, man, we're in here to help each other out, period, the end. But it seems to me that if guys are easier to control and easier to manage, they're, you know, they're more chilled out. They're working together as a team. It, oh, it, yeah. 
I, I would I would think that it's a huge financial benefit to the institution as well. I mean, less violence reduces the cost of health care for inmates and workers' compensation for guards because now they don't have to go hands-on with guys. I mean, it seems to me like it's it would be a huge or or you know R O. What am I trying to say? R O I return on oh, investment. Yeah. Absolutely, right? man. You know. Anytime there's just a more positive environment, um, that that's going to go top to bottom. Uh, right. When when these guys aren't you know acting up because they know something like this will get taken away, or they just see the world differently. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. Like when we're going in there and we're help, helping each other out, man. We don't see you know uh, we don't see different sets. We don't see uh, color. We don't see any of that stuff. Like, and when that uh, overflows into time outside of the gym. Man, a lot of things yeah. change, dude. We start yeah. opening our eyes to a lot of different stuff, and we start approaching people differently and communicating differently. Now, is that something that you can communicate, like when you're trying to look for different funding avenues? And Because, I mean, with any nonprofit, funding is just critical, right? I mean, it would seem to me if I can go to an institution like a jail or a prison and say, look, I've got proven metrics that show that the more guys that are included in this program and that participate uh, you're the cost of actually operating this facility is lower is is that something that you're able to focus on like when you oh for you know, sure man because you know anytime you want to send this to another jail it's it is what it is everything's a numbers game how can we decrease recidivism how can we you know what is the benefit what's going to save us money I mean, that's just the world that we live in. Um, everything's attached to a dollar. So, yeah, man. I mean, all that, all the things that you mentioned are, you know, mentioned uh, are talked about in different emails and different jail officials. And really, it's kind of anecdotal evidence. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can talk to any of the officials in the jail, the pod officer that I deal with, um, you know, the programs director. Everybody in there knows what's going on. They they understand how beneficial it is because. Now, yeah. Do do you see other facilities like wanting to jump on board with this program? I mean, is that? Oh yeah, I've already had you know, out of nowhere. I feel like I've had at least four or five already come in, and uh, and these are people that are willing to take it to their jail. Um, right. You know, Atlanta, uh, Mobile, Birmingham, Springfield, Kentucky. All those different places are going to their jails right now and talking to those officials and introducing them to what's going on and talking budget talking program talking how many times a week they can go all those different things yeah that's awesome now now for those of you listen who may not be familiar with kings of grit talk about the program and how it actually got started and then we'll dive into the core values that you stretch and that you stress and teach because i think those are just there's so many different applications we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the different applications but how did you how did this program get started yeah so you know three years ago uh my brother and i jock crawford who played we played football together in high school um you know we had gone our separate ways and then gone off to different colleges and played you know i played professional football and he uh he and i both found our way back into the city um you know jock had gotten to a little bit of you know uh trouble early on you know in high school and it kind of kind of derailed his football career slightly um you know he got back on track but he kind of understood how something like this you know could benefit um you know i was asked by 
uh, Reverend Gonzalez, who you know goes in and visits those guys all the time. Uh, she has since moved off to another country, so is Jock. But she invited us to come talk to him. I came up with a workout, and then really, man, the rest is history. Uh, when they left, I kept showing up, kept working them out, and I'll never forget. There was one guy in there. I wish I could say his name, but uh, I can't just because of legal uh, obligations here. But Roger that. He came up to me, man. He said, you're a man of your word. And I was like, oh, damn, I got to keep coming now. So, <laughs> which is a, it was a good thing, man. It really called me out, and it, it made me understand how beneficial this is. Cause like, you're accountable now, man. Because, dude, they get all kinds of, like, inspirational speakers and pro athletes and officials and all that bull crap, dude. Like, and I shouldn't say it's bull crap, but. No, but there's no follow-up, right? But come on, man. It's in one ear, out the other. They're sitting in the chairs. Yay! And then they go back in their cell. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas I, I was you know, a little different to them. You know, I kept showing up, and I was, you know, man of my word. But you know what? That's something like the results of that they can see. So you get these guys that come in and give an inspirational speech for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is. And like you said, now they're right back in their cell. They're right back where they were before. Yeah. And it's hard to put that into into play, right, when you're in a cell. Look, the, the workouts that they get, that's something that they can take with them. They actually feel it. A lot of them are sore, right? I mean, you can feel that you are doing something oh, yeah. to your body. Yeah, we can go into the science. I mean – the endorphins and the you know how it decreases you know suicidal thoughts and just all kinds of biology happens when you're when you're working out um your heart rate is increased and the cardiovascular health and my goodness there's so much that goes on you know just from your endocrine system and you know your psyche there's just so much uh that you benefit from when you know you freaking just work out yeah move around yeah what are so this whole program is built on four core values and we're going yes. to spend a lot of time talking about them but why don't you yeah. label what those are sure the first one is uh be relentless giving up is not an option so you know they've a lot of those guys have given up their entire life um walked away from things or just completely shut down we don't do that and it's never you know they don't do that stuff if one guy gives up or quits other guys are coming off the wall encouraging them or jumping in to help the team, whatever that may be. We do not stop in a workout. That, mm -hmm. is, that carries over 100% to life, relationships, work. You don't quit, period. Uh, second core value is um, uh, if he doesn't know, teach him. Man, that could go into work. That could go into uh, – Oh, it touches everything. Uh, oh, my gosh. So if you have a goal – you and your team, you and your work team, you and your sport team, whatever, you and your hunting buddies, and one of those freaking goons on your squad doesn't know what he's freaking doing. He doesn't know how to, you know, run the tilt and trim. You know, he doesn't know how to put the decoys in a certain spot, or the guy doesn't know how to do the workout properly. Uh, the guy doesn't know how to send the email to the right person. That's your fault. That's the team leader's fault. That's actually the whole team's fault. Uh, so if he doesn't know, it is your obligation to teach him. Third one is show some grace. Uh, everybody's grown up differently, man. Everybody's yeah. had different uh, situations happen in their life. Right. Everybody's got different families. Everybody, not everybody has a family. 
So you have to understand that we have to look at it from the big picture and see it from the other person's eyes, um, from all spectrums. The fourth one is unity. We're all in this together. So for some reason, we all ended up here. There is no turning back now. We're on the same team together. God put us here for a reason. We are in this together, period, the end. Yeah, yeah. I want to go deeper into these because they do line up and by design with a lot of the mission statements and core values of some of the most successful businesses and and corporations in the world today, like mine included. Uh, And I think it's fascinating that if you – if you can build character and foundation within men that aligns with what employers are looking for, that's that's just a brilliant recipe for success, dude, 100%. So the first one you mentioned, be relentless. I know what that means to me, but these guys you're working with, um, one could argue that being relentless is what landed them in jail in the first place, right? I mean, they were, relent- they were relentless uh, about the wrong things. Yeah. Um, so really even before being relentless comes into play is helping them identify, the, the, I don't know, the socially acceptable goals about which to be relentless and then being relentless about achieving those new goals. I mean, my question is how do you drive guys that let's, let's be honest, probably don't want to be driven. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, here's the deal, man. There's always a couple that do. And those are the those are the ones that everybody watches. And it's just contagious from that point. You yeah. always have that core group. There's about five or six of them that are always around me after the workout asking questions, listening to more. Yeah. Those some guys are leaders, some guys are followers. Period the end. Mhm. As long as I touch the hearts and minds of those guys that want to lead, dude, everybody's going to everybody's going to feel left out. And they're going to want to be a part of that. So as long as those guys are driven, you're always going to have a turd in the punch bowl, dude. It just yeah. is what it is. You can't yeah. reach out to them. Um, they're either going to be touched on their own or they're not. So the guys that really want it, that's that's where you uh, that's where you make change because those guys are going to be the ones that are going to be leaders. Yeah, and, and I'm guessing that these guys are learning how easy it is to be successful when you're relentless about the right things, right? Yeah. Um, in, in the business world, for example, very few people that I have worked with are relentless. To, to, if I'm like 100% legit honest, uh, most people work just hard enough that they don't get fired and they're paid just enough to where they don't quit. That, that's, that's not relentless. That's, that's skating. Dude, that's, that that's laying low and not sticking out, riding that wave until another wave comes along. So when you contrast that with someone that is relentless about uh, overachieving, uh, they do want to stick out. They, they do want to stand apart from everybody else. So I think the guys that you're talking about, they have the natural relentless tenacity from their street life to do it. Uh, but when they learn to channel that into a productive workflow and situation and environment, they succeed so much faster and learning to channel or redirect uh, from a negative direction to a positive direction um, really brings us to the next core value that uh, you you spoke about. If he doesn't know, teach him. And I feel like this really this this almost comes before anything else because a lot of these guys, probably most of them, 
this is where they got sideways super early. They didn't have that guide or that coach or that mentor to teach them. Uh, they probably didn't have a father figure to help them identify that, what did I call it, that socially acceptable path. Yeah. Most of what they learned, they learned on the street where there was no right or wrong, legal or illegal. Yeah. There was only life or death. Yeah, survival. Yeah, so what, what does that learning process look like? Because you look like for those guys, because you have to have like you can see the light bulb come on for some of them, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, for most of these guys, dude, me coming in there, looking the way that I do and talking the way that I talk, uh, it's already kind of a culture shock slightly. Um, it's like, well, he's got to only be in here because he gives a shit about us. So right away they kind of know, you know, okay, this guy right. is this guy's for real. He's also got, you know, he's got the background. He he knows um he knows what's going on and, you know. For 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 these guys to be open with me and honest, and it just take that stuff takes time, dude. It takes it just takes time and it takes trust, and trust is a hard thing to do, especially with some of those guys' backgrounds. Roger that. Yep. I mean that just doesn't that and the trust thing leads into the next one. Show some grace. This is yep. one that I really wanted to dig into because grace, grace, both giving and receiving has to be like a radical new concept to these guys. I, I would imagine that this is probably the first time that they have seen it is they had to go to jail mm-hmm. like to really experience grace. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, when you show up in there, man, I mean, your whole life is completely upside down. That's a very depressing place. I mean, you're yeah. awaiting trial and you already know that you feel like you're the scum of the earth. And then here comes a guy that's like, no, that's not the truth. You know, and, and like I said, man, that takes that just takes time. Um, you know, nobody ever converted because they lost an argument. No. You know what I'm saying? So no. it just takes you have to be you have to be the tangible kingdom. Like I have to be it. I have to be with them. I have yeah. to be inside the walls. Yeah. I have to Yeah. I'm coming into the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? I'm setting yeah. up shop. So like totally. That that's what it takes, man. And then over time, they see how I I treat them, how I speak to them, all those different things. Like, there's nothing condescending about anything that we do. Like, I am a resource. I have, I've seen the fountain of youth. I want you to see and experience that also. And you know, like I said, man, a lot of those guys understand that. They're like, there's no way that he'd be in here. You know, right. Uh, otherwise he's not doing it for the fun of it no man like this that's not what it is and then that's that's not real they can tell right away that you know that i give a damn about them like you can't you can't fake being genuine man you either got it or you don't yeah yeah um unity is one of those like that's your last uh we're in this together right you said that was the fourth core value and i feel like one of the other things they learn is how to operate and really how to thrive in a team environment. These guys only know every man for himself, right? Um, I would guess that the concept of team is is really foreign, and for that team to thrive, all of the members must be able to shift focus from kind of lashing out at the weakest link, which is that's that's you know, look, a lot of these guys they're not in there for stealing a coke at the store. I mean, a lot of these guys have learned how to find the weakest link in society and and exploit that. 
Yep. And so this is exactly the opposite. I mean, now we're talking about instead of lashing out at the weakest link to helping bring that individual along so that the team wins, right? Yeah, I love it too, man. Like, it's oh, just, it's crazy. I mean, I can see the smile on your face when you talk cool about it. It's cool because, like, I'm telling you, man, these guys, like the guys that are leaders or that are a little older who have been with me for a while, like uh, they'll pick the weakest dudes in there and, like, they'll be on their team, like – it's oh, just awesome, crazy, dude. like, that's and they awesome. do that on their own. It's not like I don't go over there and like every now and then though I'll, I'll go over to one of them while uh you know some of the other guys that aren't as athletic or competing. I'm like, hey man, y'all better go freaking pump them up over there. <laughs> I, I was, or I'll be like, hey man, y'all better show them the same energy you showed everybody else. Yeah. So it's just cool, man. It's just one of those things. That's the culture that we have. Like, that's. That's just everyday life, like, yeah. you know, inside and outside, man. Like, go go help that dude out. You want to be a man? Go freaking grab that dude. Make him yeah. feel better about himself. Yeah. Like, stop standing over there in the corner when you're the guy that everybody looks at and everybody right. wants to be like. Go over there. Anyway, so that's that's awesome. That's what we do. And you say you've never had an incident or a time no. where you felt threatened or? Never. First of all, it ain't <laughs> – it ain't like the movies. Like, these guys ain't in the yard pumping iron and all that crap. Like, right. It's not right. like that. Um, but at the same time, like, no. Like, that's just not what it is. Like, and if you're, like I said, man, if you're a turd, like, you're going to get sent to a different floor anyway. So, they, uh, no, that's not the that's not the precedent that I set as soon as I got in there, man. I am a resource for you. I am here to help you, period, the end. And then you are to echo that to the next guy. Right, right. What is a what does a typical session look like? Oh, I'm sure. trying to picture it in my head. Like no, does... for sure. So picture, man, picture like a twenty by thirty, you know, cinder block room. Um, it is not very big at all, and I've got like thirty five guys in there. Um, there's a basketball goal on one wall, and that's it. From time to time, there's like a cage thing on one side that I'll yeah. hook like. Uh, straps in for ring rows right uh we'll bring jump ropes in there med balls from time to time um but a lot of times i'll incorporate some type of uh basketball move you know whether that be just like you know layups or jump shots or whatever because they just everybody thinks they're kobe so everybody <laughs> wants to be like lebron james and i'm cool with that whatever dude whatever gets you active and getting excited yeah man um, no doubt but, yeah, go in there, blow the whistle. Hey, let's warm up. Everybody goes on one side. We form lines just like a ball team. You know, I got one guy leading the warm-up. All right, you know, um, lunge and twist. Ready, go. And we sound off with two claps. And then we keep going. And then we keep going. And then I blow the whistle some. We're doing some different type of calisthenics to warm up some more. Then we do jumping jacks as a team. Um but, yeah, man, that's it. After we finish all the warm-up and everything, depending on what series we are in the workout, whether that be uh, this five weeks, which is one of the guys teaching the class, uh, if it's in the challenge type uh, series, then we're splitting up into teams and we're going over the workout and we're demonstrating, and then, boom, we get after it, man. That's awesome. How long before you start to see a group of, I mean, uh, convicted felons, right? Yeah. Um, how long before you begin to see change and start exhibiting the values that, you know, we started off talking about that the business world, I mean, we're trying to prep these guys to be um, productive, 
citizens when they get out. Mm-hmm. How long before you start to see that um, exhibited in the group of guys? I mean, is it, I'm sure it's different for different groups, but um, yeah, like if you because you, you guys do it what once a week? Uh, yeah, once a week. That's all I have time for. So yeah. So I would imagine that it, you know if by three or four weeks you don't start seeing some, you you know something's like what what is that what how no, long man, before like i said dude i'm not in there to save everybody that's not yeah. my job um, i'm here to give you an option and kind of show you what will help you be successful some people bite on that some people don't some people are always going to be bottom feeders some people are going to want to rise to the top as corny as that sounds it just is what it is you mm-hmm. either got it or you don't so like the guys that you know, take after what I say, they really appreciate it. And they really do start to change and start to be leaders and reach out to those other guys. And there's just some guys that are going to be wallflowers their whole life. It just is what it is. That's society. That's the world. So right. as far as putting that on a timeline, that's that's person dependent. Right. I mean, some people got it in them. Some people, you know, you got to be a little bit more consistent with and kind of mm-hmm. kind of push them in the right way. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, some guys, it's just kind of like, man, you ain't going to reach them. So it, it just is what it is. I'm not going to screw it up for the other guys trying to reach the guy yeah. that don't want it. Man, it's such a good, it's such a good program. Uh, I mean, you're taking a group of inmates convicted of crimes up and down the spectrum and through organized team based mm-hmm. CrossFit exercising, they're learning to channel what is not socially acceptable output into productive yeah. professional mm-hmm. output. I mean, that's just how many facilities are you are you partner with right now? Just one. What? Just just uh just Memphis, just the downtown uh, jail, two hundred one Poplar. <sighs> yeah, what? don't even get me started. It's like pulling teeth. So. Well, why is that? I mean, I why is it like pulling teeth? I don't understand. I mean, it's a it's Man, a great. I've had I've had meetings on meetings on meetings on meetings, dude. Um, I mean, is it a cost thing? Is it radio what? silence? Um, maybe I don't know because no one no one tells me. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you gotta you gotta imagine, dude. Like, you know, everything again is attached to a dollar. So if it's not gonna bring return into somebody's pocket, it's really not gonna be the first thing that's priority. Um, you know, but it does bring her. I mean, that's what we started talking about. There, there is a return. Your, your mindset and my mindset are, are going to be different than someone else's. Um, you know, over time, I, I, that's why I'm trying to have it grow in other cities. Uh, Memphis is just taking a little bit, man. So, but I mean, keep... you can you you using the Shelby County Jail, right? Which is where you are. Mm-hmm. That's where you're talking about. I've been in that facility before, not yep. as a visitor, um, yep. but I've been there. Sure. Um, I would think that you have enough data there now to build a solid case study and say, look what we've done here. We want to replicate that in your facility. Mm -hmm. And unless there's some huge cost involved, like I struggle to see the obstacle there. I, I struggle to see why it's not a good idea. Well, and that's why we're going to other cities. Um, that's why we're presenting it to them. Um, like I said, man, I, I don't really have much uh, of an answer to give you other than radio silence, my friend. 
God, that's what F's me off sometimes. It shouldn't be this hard to do the right thing. <laughs> I, I completely understand that. I mean, I, I can see if you're saying, okay, yeah, for this program, it's a, it's a half million dollar investment for your institution. Okay, well, maybe we need to rethink the paradigms of how we price things. Yeah, it ain't but, even close to that. Holy crap. It, yeah, so. You have a minimal, you have a minimal first time investment for equipment. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it's just me, you know, just paying some type of ability to do it full time. My goodness. And then I can go to all your other jails. It's really just a basic salary job with a freaking website. Right. And some uh, ability to maybe market, you know, right. just a just a simple business plan. It's not right. something crazy. Right. Uh, extremely minimal cost for what you're probably already spending yeah. Well, and then and and so that's what I'm saying. If you're seeing the attitude adjustment that we just talked about, the guys on the inside, where you know they're easier to manage, they're easier to control. Um, guards are not, or you know, correctional officers are not having to go hands on with as many guys as mm-hmm. as they are. I mean, you can point to real tangible cost savings or a return on that investment for a facility um uh, it just it just blows my mind you remember um the movie shawshank redemption oh yeah so when andy dufresne wanted to start the library and the warden said as far as he's concerned the only way to spend taxpayer money is more cells more bars and more guards that's it dude it's <laughs> That's it's so true, it. right? I mean, that's really, I mean, that's really it. I mean, it's if it's not priority, it's not priority. It is what it is, dude. What um, what help do you need getting that off the ground and heading in the right direction? I mean, if somebody's listening that has the resources or the ear of somebody or is involved in the correctional, uh, you know, institutions or facilities or yeah man i mean if you are at a jail and you want this program implemented uh you just email me at kings of grit at gmail and from there or you can just dm me on instagram uh, mm-hmm. at underscore j lancaster underscore or go to the kings of grit um instagram and let's get in get in your jail i've already got a bunch of different people asking me about it i'll send you over some information different links different Right. You know, the website, uh, information on how to get started. We talk budget, all those different things. Uh, send over a licensing agreement once uh, the jail decides. And it's really just, I run it like an affiliate model. Right. Like, you know how to, if you stay with the core values and the mission statement and you know fitness, you can do this. You just have a, you have to have a heart for them. And it's really that simple. Um, then it's up to you to kind of negotiate how you want to run it and how, you know, how much you want to use to run it. Now, would it be up to someone in the facility to run the program or, you know, like I'm thinking, all right. No, you can have somebody else run it. That's what I am. I'm not a jail official. No, I know. But if you had somebody from Phoenix, Arizona, that said, man, I love that program. Let's do it. I mean, all right, well, James Lancaster ain't getting on a plane and going to Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just wondering how. No, they just just contact me. I'll send you over the information. Uh, you get in contact with your jail. You sit down and talk to the right people. You can see through videos and different things that are going on over here, and then we'll talk about it from there. You can even you know, you can come over to Memphis and watch what I'm doing. Yeah. Seriously, um, 
It's just it's, such a good. Uh, I mean, it, it's just it's such minimal a good cost. return. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. For such a minimal cost, there's such a a good return. Not only for. I mean, if you looked at it from the pure aspect of, um, I need to get better control, or, or just if you look at the aspect of the improvements that you see inside the facility. I mean, the the outside part of it. Put that on the back burner for a second. There, there's really there, there's two you know, value propositions here, if you will. Of course, there's the one that, yeah, we're, we're preparing guys to where we don't have to see them again when they leave here mm-hmm. um, because now they are productive citizens. They are channeling um, all the things that they learned the wrong way before they got here. They're channeling those the right way now. Mm-hmm. But we're also looking at um, we're looking at the environment internally, and how can we have a more peaceful environment within the facility itself? Which, man, if I'm if I'm running a facility, that's just just my because I, I deal with that with the company I work for. When you talk about a correctional facility's workers' comp claims being cut and dropped and reduced, that is a huge huge cost, mm-hmm. and because it's something that they don't directly stroke a check for they think it's like oh it's a soft cost is it no there's it cost is cost Holmes. it's either soft hard however you want to look at it but i am making your facility a safer place which drives your costs of operating that facility down yeah i just i don't i totally understand (laughs) it brother welcome to 2019 (laughs) dude i have those conversations every day i feel you i feel you so in addition to nutrition coaching, which you do a lot of, you're opening a new gym right now too, right? That's right, man. We're going to have crap, dude. CrossFit, kickboxing, uh, speed and agility training for athletes, you know, all the way from youth all the way to professional, um, and nutrition coaching. So we'll have all those things all in this one spot. It'll be a one-stop shop, man. How far off are you on that, like time-wise? Well – um it just depends dude i'm still in negotiations with some uh with the realtors but the Mm -hmm. minute that they pull the trigger and we agree to something you know i'll be at the bank and three weeks from there signing ready things are getting built we're looking at 90 i don't know 90 to 120 days from that wow so maybe august september if things are continue to move like they're moving now yeah they're moving now good Oh yeah, things are moving. The minute God, I hear awesome. back from the realtor, man, we 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 agree to something. It's it's rock and roll time. You gonna offer like MMA and jujitsu? Now the guy that runs the kickboxing side, he's a former MMA fighter. So I mean, that's up to him. He'll he'll be a uh, a tenant at the gym at the building. So yeah. whatever he wants to offer on the side, man, there's there's a lot of guys that want to do stuff like that. So that's gonna yeah, be there up to is. Him. Yeah. That that's that shit is catching on like wildfire. It dude. is, man. It is. <laughs> I agree. That's crazy. And he may be able to offer that because he's you know, he's he's a good dude and he knows his stuff. That's awesome. What kind of um what kind of nutritional consult are you gonna do like nutrition to there? I mean you're you're yeah, putting so, programs together. Yeah, so it'll be more of like a flexible dieting approach. So we're not gonna run any kind of templates or Right. I'm not going to put you on some paleo diet or keto, whatever that is. But, you know, the lady that comes in there and runs her services out of there, um, it it will be kind of like this macro counting approach. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what's sustainable. None of this, not the template stuff, not Whole30, because there's always this, um, 
there's always this end game. And with flexible dieting, man, it's it's a lifestyle change. Right. So that's what's going to be the most sustainable. I feel like there's so much confusing information out there. I mean, different fad diets, oh, like high yeah. fat, no fat, no carb, high carb, you know, mm-hmm. no sugar, low sugar. There's so much misleading and confusing information. I yeah. mean, it's no wonder why um, people get fed up, give up, and quit. I mean, there's just so much bullshit out there. Yeah, you know? 100%, man. There's a lot of There's a lot of fads going on out there, and there's a lot of, you know— Goodness gracious, I remember when, and it's still kind of there. I mean, there's still people that have in their mind fat-free. Yeah. Fat-free is good. I'm like. No calories. Less less carbs. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you're going to Orange Theory six days a week, and that is 100% driven by carbohydrates. But it's okay. We'll talk about your hormones when they're, when they're in the trash, you know, yeah. after about <laughs> six months of it. And then you're wondering why you have, you know, you don't have any energy to fold your clothes. uh, Yeah, right. And you and your husband aren't able to uh, do the things that you love. Yeah. You know, you're wondering, oh, why? what's going on here? How come, you know, we're not in the bedroom doing our thing? Well, you know, it's because we didn't feed ourselves properly for the different things that we're doing. And your stress is through the freaking roof. So now your body doesn't even produce cortisol as much as it used to. So now we got all kinds of hormone issues going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's look the most activity some of these people see is jumping from diet to diet to diet, dude. It's That's like, it, dude. That's it, it. And you can't overstate the importance of working with you know a professional who can mm-hmm. get you from where you are to where you want to be. I mean, mind, body, soul—they're all connected. You got to work yeah. on all of them. They're yeah. all tied together. Yeah, right? dude. Um, the body follows the mind. That's for sure. I have found. That speaking of the mind, the mental part is like totally the most difficult mm-hmm. part. I mean, the human body is capable of so much more than our minds will let us believe that it is. Um, your brain is the enemy, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it wants you to be comfortable. It doesn't want you to suffer, Mm-mm. right? That that, no, that, that that to me is like when you don't feel like it, that's the best time to get off your ass and do it. Yeah. When you think, you you know, man, I've worked hard. I put work just, harder. Just get moving, man. Get moving. And once you're in the moment, dude, you, you're not going to look back. It's just getting moving, taking that first step, dude. Yeah, it's, it's so counterintuitive to just what feels natural, especially just getting started is the hardest part. Yeah. Um, and, and it's almost – I heard, um, you know, David Goggins, who's a Navy SEAL. I don't know if you've listened to any of his yeah, dude, stuff. He, or, he's been through a little bit of crap, don't you think? Yeah. You think he's been there? Yeah, dude, But he's no he, he has – like, he'll – he will say that his worst enemy is comfort. And, you know, he needs to – he needs to feel uncomfortable or he gets scared. He freaks out. You know, he's yeah. like, the more comfortable I am, the more I freak out. I like it. Psycho mode. Got to suffer, dog. That's what he says. That's how, that's how stuff gets done, dude. When you're uncomfortable and you go through some yeah. trauma, regardless yeah. of what that is, some type of suffering, yeah. that's when you press the gas. It just is what it is. That's why I like your text when I'm in the gym. When you say, are you suffering? I'm like, yeah, I'm suffering. Like, yeah, I, dog. Sure, I sure hope so. Get it. I, I love yep. that, man. I, I, you sent me one the other night. I was in the gym. I did. It's suffering. Mm-hmm. I was digging it. Um 
Injuries aside, though, I mean, if you have like a shoulder injury or a knee injury, I mean, of course, you, you're going to have limitations for a little while yeah. un- until you rehab that, that shit out. But you're capable of so much more than your mind or your brain will tell you that you're capable of. Mm-hmm. So you graduated from the tell me University Cent- of Central Arkansas. Central Conway. Arkansas. Yeah, that's where I play football at. And what's funny is you didn't, you know, all these things that we're talking about, I mean, like we started talking about Kings of Grit, which is really like, I mean, almost borderline social work, right? Um, But you didn't have a degree in physiology or health or fitness or social work. You were a business major, right? Yep, business management. And finally at 30, I'll start to use it running the gym. That's so funny, dude, because when we talked the first time, I'm like, you, you, like you see people, like, when you're in college for business management, oh, okay, what are you going to do with that? Dude, I don't know, like, get super jacked and ripped and play football <laughs> and coach dudes and, and yep. teach dudes how to live a better life. I don't know. You know, what, what, are, what are you planning on? Completely counterintuitive. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to sell some insurance. <laughs> and you wind up getting totally jacked and ripped. Yep, that's it. We were just talking about injuries. Talk about your college athletic experiences and how competitive sports really shaped who you are and prepared you for what you're doing now. God, dude. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> man. Can you be more specific? <laughs> absolutely, brother. Uh, you know, got done playing college football, played professionally in the Arena League for three years. and uh, Linebacker? I tore my, yeah, and that was like, you know. Uh, 30 pounds ago 30 40 pounds ago. i'd hate to cross the line with the ball in my hands and see you standing yeah there. i was 240 i was uh <laughs> i used to rush you know off the edge dude there was many a times so your bmi was really out of whack dude. oh dude so out of whack <laughs> oh my gosh it really was though i mean i was a big dude i mean you know um, I'm much healthier now but yeah if i wasn't that big you know i'd be i'd, I'd get chewed up in the blender dude like yeah when you're facing six, seven, you know, three hundred eighty pound men, and you got to push them back, They're licking their you chest. can't. You, you can't be. Uh, <laughs> They're looking you at you like a piece of fried chicken, man. Yeah, dude, you can't be uh, a little dude. So I finished. I tore my ACL playing on freaking astroturf. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told that I had four tears in my meniscus. So just. Put your menis- lateral meniscus, okay? Mm-hmm. That's the outer portion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's shaped, you know, kind of like a C or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the outer portion, that is the most important meniscus. Uh, that deals with the most impact. So put that in a blender. That's what mine looked like. So they take it all the way out. Basically, if I was to go back or, you know, compete, run, jump, whatever that may be, over time I would get um, – I would get a knee replacement. I was like, uh, all right. So I'll go from being a professional athlete, big, strong, fast, you know, Mm -hmm. ready to get after people. High speed, low drag. Yeah, dude. To laying on my back, looking at fluorescent lights in a gown, being told that, hey, man, you're not the same person anymore. This is what it translated as. Like, hey, whatever you just were thinking about, whatever you just identified as, Cancel it. All right. To add insult to injury, I spend another two years on a donor list for a uh, meniscal allograph. So basically, I have a cadaver meniscus in my knee. 
So I didn't I didn't run, jump, do anything, you know, super intense for two years. So wait, well, so hang on a second. So yes. you had to wait for a dead guy's knee. That's correct. And to add more insult to injury, they were like, James, your knee is really big. I was like, all right. It's going to take a little said. while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they said, it's just going to take a while. We'll notify you when we find it. And, dude, I would always like, hey, what do you, hey, guys, have you heard about anything? You know, James, your knee is really big. It's going to take a while to find it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> well, two years later, I am headed to Kansas to turkey hunt. I get a freaking phone call. Of course, during oh, turkey season. Oh, dude, I was just so jacked. I just sat there, and I actually kind of cried. I was just like, I want my freaking life back. Yeah. So I get the meniscal allograph. I'm like, yes. Oh, not so fast, brother. I'm in rehab, and it comes off the stitching. Oh. So I'm doing wall slides, and I bring my foot back up the wall and pop. And then just Yikes. imagine I spent two years waiting on this thing, and it's ruined. Well, luckily, they go in. It just came off the stitching. They put it back down. So that's surgery number three. Mm. So three years, three times I'm on my back in a freaking surgery gown looking at fluorescent lights getting put to sleep. The whole time, dude, I'm just asking why. I'm yeah. Just, I mean, one of the most mentally, just a tough thing, dude. I'll never forget when I was getting on those one of those treadmills uh, that kind of floats you in the air running, running mm-hmm. for the first time after like three years. Cried on the way home. Like I just, that stuff's just hard, dude. Like, yeah. you know, and I'm a passionate dude. Like I really... You know, I don't like wear my feelings on my shoulders type thing, but like I give a shit about yeah. stuff. Right. You know, when I'm when I'm in it, like I give a shit, and I really, I really put everything into it because for me, nothing else. Like that's just not how I do life. I can't like halfway do stuff. Right. There's there's just no point to me. Right. So that was just a very tough time, dude. And after that, I competed professionally in CrossFit. I was really blessed because... But it, it was your rehab, though, that exposed you to CrossFit, though, right? Yeah, so, like, you know, getting done with rehab, I was... I had a good friend of mine, uh, Joey Lamb, that I had reached out to to kind of teach me about uh, CrossFit. He was in the same city. And uh, my aunt, who is the first one to introduce me to CrossFit, I'll never forget doing Fran in college in Charleston at a family reunion. And... um she was coming into town and needed somewhere to do the open. So I was like, all right, well, we'll talk to Joey. And then from there, it kind of blossomed. I was like, man, I'm just not done yet. Like, I just don't feel right. like I'm finished. Like, I really want to, like, fulfill my athletic ability and push and continue to, you know, be in front of a big crowds and, you know, stuff right, like that. Right, like, right, that was just right. eating at me, dude. So, right. you know, I was blessed to kind of get back on stage and, you know, be at the pinnacle. So I, yeah. my highest finish was 14th in the central region. Um, when they had regionals, it has changed now, but that was the, uh, you know, arguably the hardest region in the world. So I was, I was proud of that dude. Is it, is it fair to say though, that without that knee injury that you maybe would not have gravitated to CrossFit the way you did and your life would be like so much more different now? Oh my God. 
Dude, 100%. Everything yeah. happens for a reason, man. I'm able to just kind of like. Yeah. You still go through crap, but looking back at something like that, when you don't see the end of the road and you're always in limbo and like, my goodness, dude, if I told you my entire life story, dude, you'd mm-hmm. probably just, you'd be exhausted. <laughs> you would be mentally and emotionally exhausted. I mean, it's, it's, it, but dude, it's hard to look at a devastating situation and trust that it's all part of God's plan. I mean, that you're a Hardest believer like ever. me. It, it is, and, and it's, it's hard enough for you and I to do it. So for someone without that relationship, I mean, it's, it's so easy to get really pissed off when you perceive that what's going on at that time, when you perceive it as a punishment from God. I mean, you said you went through that. I mean, God, why me? Why'd you take this from me? Uh, my dream of this or my dream of that. You, you really start getting down and blaming God for all of the things, all the bad things that happen. But you know what's what's funny about that? The same guys that do that rarely flip the coin over and thank him for all the good things. Oh, yeah, dude. Right? They definitely don't count that. Do you think now, though, that the incredibly difficult path that you had to take actually strengthened your relationship with God? Absolutely. I mean, the world's a bigger place. I just see things so much differently. I speak... I just speak a different language. I feel like I was removed from the matrix. And that and that just and that carries over to everything, man. Like yeah. that carries over to how I view, you know, working out and certain goals. That right. carries right. over to how I treat women. Yeah. Uh that carries over to how I treat my family. That carries over to every single thing that I do and think of in life. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, once you kind of when once you see it differently, yeah. Uh, which reminds me of the word uh, repent in the Bible. Mm-hmm. The literal translation is metanoia, is the changing of one's mind. Yeah. So repent, we think of that lightning striking, like yeah. fire guilt. and brimstone. Guilt, you're freaking doing wrong. Yeah, you're yeah. freaking, yeah. you know, drinking and smoking. and blah, blah, blah. No, it's seeing the world differently, man. Right. Like metanoia. It's it's completely shifting the way that you look at things and view life and how you treat that person and how you go to work and understand your purpose and how you appreciate where you're at when you're hunting and fishing and how you look at your finances and yeah. just every single thing. You just completely turn and you go, oh, shoot. Yeah. You get yeah. it. There, there are so many stories like that where guys that I know have suffered and struggled with so many different uh, tragedies. And when they come out from them, they actually say that it was the best things. It was the best thing that could have ever happened to them. And you look at uh, like TJ Unger, for example, is a great friend of mine. He has a show on carbon TV called the virtue. Um, Big time deer hunter, big time turkey hunter and waterfowl hunter. He was in a horrible car accident that nearly killed him in 2017. I mean, basically everything from his waist down was crushed. And the doctors told him that he probably would never walk again. If by some miracle that he did, there's no way that he would walk without some sort of assistance, like a a walker or whatever. Um, Dude, two months later, after the doctors told him that, and and countless surgeries later, dude's in a ground blind killing turkeys with his bow. 
it, it was one of the most emotional things I've ever seen. But the point is, not not only did it bring him closer to God and give him a deeper understanding of life, um, it, he is speaking at events full of people talking about the same things that you and I are talking about now. And you know, we what he says is, you, your obstacles are yours. You put them there. You can move them out of the way if you put them there. You, we said it earlier. Your brain is your biggest enemy, and it'll f with you if you let it. I mean, he has such a such an amazing and inspiring story. We just had him on the podcast, and um, the the dude is just incredible with an amazing story of just victory. Man, it's just yeah. some of the some of the things that you look at it as curses, and how God uses those as blessings. If if you mm-hmm. stop and, like you said, repent, the changing of your mind to look at it from a different perspective. You know, no, I, I don't. I don't understand why this is happening. I, I don't, but I trust that it's for my for my own good. And that's the hardest thing, dude. Don't even let us freaking try to fool you that it's something that's like. Yay, I trust God. This is really easy. It's Mm -mm. rainbow. Are you Mm -mm. kidding me, bro? Mm -mm. Like, are you kidding me? Imagine, yeah, imagine having your, looking down, your body's crushed and you going, God, I know you're speaking to me right now and I'm really excited about that. Absolutely not. No, dude was clinically dead at two different points during that whole ordeal. Mm -hmm. It it was, it was, but speaking of hunting and nutrition, you want the most protein-rich, organic, vegan-friendly yes. food on the planet? Go kill it yes. yourself. That's it, dude. Go kill it yourself. You're a, you're That's big it. into elk and deer hunting and duck hunting, right? Yeah. So I'm going this this fall to take my father to Colorado to elk hunt. Um, I was so chasing good. some swamp deer uh, <laughs> this year. I'm talking like, you know, getting a kayak and you know, go downriver and then. Cross I saw the, the pictures river. of that, dude. And then walk some more. So I'm basically like, you know, base layer with all my clothes in my backpack. Then I get to my climber. Then I climb up. Then I put all my clothes on. That's the type of deer hunting I'm doing. Now, that is not knocking anybody that sits in a freaking no. ground blind or box blind. That's awesome. No, not at all. I think it's all, think it's all great. But um, I'm after some big ones, dude. And yeah. they freaking run up and down that river. And they're freaking just gnarly. Where was that at? Uh, this is over there, East Arkansas, kind of mm-hmm. in that uh, Forest City range. Those river bottoms, dude, they just grow some gigantic animals. <laughs> they do, man. I call it the jungle back there. Cause I've yeah, it gotten, is. I've almost put my hand on a spider about this big. <laughs> I've gotten stung by hornets down there. I've fallen into holes. Um I've almost stepped on copperheads. Um, Dude, you said the you said the magic words for me because me and snakes. There's negative. so many of them down there, dude. And I'm oh, nervous. Man. I probably won't be turkey hunting down there, but I know I've, we've got them on camera, so I don't know. I mean, uh, but it's it's a sketchy. It's a, a you got to so, have your head on a swivel, man. Seriously. So when you have snakes on your trail cameras, no, you, no, no, turkeys, turkeys, oh, okay. turkeys, turkeys. I don't have the cameras okay. that low, but I've got. Okay. I was in the mid. It was the middle of January. I was hunting, and it just—it was a warm day. I'm walking back to the trailhead, you know, and I almost step on a damn cottonmouth, and I'm like, "God bless." Those things are so that—that that is just sleep. That is just such an instrument of evil. I mean, those things because <laughs> they're about 
that long, but about that big around. I'm telling you, dude. Did you did you find so you can smell them long before you see them sometimes? Oh yeah. Got, oh, oh yeah. God. They got a stink to them, dude. But <laughs> dude, I don't there. even like talking about them. I, I anybody that hunts with me knows. It's they're like back the, there. The best practical joke in the world is like the, the the rubber snake someplace because <laughs> I will flat kick I somebody's ass. I, I will I say it. this: retribution. It, you know, God says vengeance is mine. Well, guess yeah. what, dude? I come back full force times ten. I've I done just, the whole. I've done the whole snake in a cooler and have the fake snake attached to the top, and they open it, it comes out. <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the guys I hunted with years ago, we had a big um. In one of the camps we had in the Mississippi Delta, right there along the river, just south of where you're you're talking about, Man. big we call them Congos, big no shoulder Congos, and I'll uh, tell you, dude. he's like, uh, I was I was there before him, um, and he said, well, go ahead and start a you know because we had a big uh, like those big Ben Franklin wood burning stoves for heat. Um, and he said, well, man, get a fire starter because it's going to get cold. So I opened the the door, and what I didn't know is a week before he had tied one of those rubber snakes threw it in the, the wood-burning stove, That's um, and when I opened it, that thing came rushing out, and, dude, I found another <laughs> gear quickly. <laughs> Please tell me you ran out the freaking place. Oh, dude, I sounded like the biggest girl you've ever seen in your life. I already know, I already know you did. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, I read an article just recently about how the hipsters are actually the ones who are helping with this surge in hunting and hunting popularity right now. Yeah. Like of all the most unlikely places. Right. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's, what's cool now. That's what's against the grain is like, you know, embracing, you know, cause now if you're a hunter, dude, you know, in certain parts of the country, like a hunter is just like, right. Right. Anti. Yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, anti everything. Exactly. But dude, you're on this earth because your ancestors fed themselves. Word up. So, because if mean, they didn't, you wouldn't be here right now, dude. Absolutely not. You just wouldn't be here. It is what it is. So, you know, did you see? Did you see that Donnie Vincent video about? Um, oh yeah, that's who we are. Like he's that, that dude's uh, really. He's been doing it a while. He's a biologist. He's a smart yeah. fellow, man. He's really good with his words, and I really, really dig his stuff. Um, yeah. He he was pretty spot on with that one, dude. So oh, if yeah. y'all ever get a chance, look up. I guess it's who we are. Who we are. That's right. Man, that was a very powerful video. But um, and you know, I heard true. a podcast he was on, and that was not that was not scripted or planned. Like mm-hmm. the, the, he just and he just he, he yep. yeah he said how pissed off he was at the time because he was getting a lot of you know negative hate mail and stuff like that and. Do just let it rip like right off the cuff, and it was it yeah, was awesome. Yeah, we would not be here, was it not for people that survived by mm-hmm. feeding themselves? Now, I totally understand, and I get the argument of you know, um, you know how these animals are treated in these uh, you know, like chicken coops and you know these um, you know slaughterhouses and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. I totally understand that, and I totally disagree with it. Uh, so that's why I hunt. Yes. Um, but then also, let's go ahead and talk about mass farming and what that does to the land. Mm-hmm. If anybody knew biology and understood what, you know, corn does to the soil and all the nutrients that it rips out of the soil and all these dead zones in the Gulf. Right. Um, and you know about all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it flows right by my back let's, door. Let's just be real clear here, guys. Like, 
all the pesticides and all this stuff where we're feeding the world vegetables. Let me just go ahead and tell you, man, that ain't a pretty sight either. You're killing a lot of stuff doing that also. So, mm-hmm. you know, but again, this is what I always go back to. And this is really just from me, you know, hunting and fishing and it being my um, part of my heritage and being part of, you know, just who I am. And it's hard to appreciate life when you're so far removed from death. Yeah, it is. Am I exact? Am I just like giddy and excited when I walk up on a dead deer or a dead duck? No. I'm, I appreciate that whole process. And I've even brought people out that have not hunted before. And it's just a different thing. Like when you understand that the animal lost its life so that you could eat it and you could share it with your family, like that's a real thing. And a lot of people just won't understand that unless they unless they do it, unless they see it firsthand. But, you know, that's what I always go back to, man. It's really hard to appreciate life when you're completely removed from death. And that, that's the point. So you, you, a lot of these antis that will go make complete asses out of mm-hmm. themselves protesting what we do, right, mm-hmm. they'll go home and have baked chicken or cook a steak or something crazy, like that. Man. So let me get this right. What you really have a problem with is me going out and killing my food, but you have no problem paying someone to go kill yours. Is is that that's yeah? That's right. The only painful thing that this animal went through is me putting a bullet in it, and it died instantly. Whereas mm-hmm. yours grew up in fecal matter mm-hmm. and diseased and all. And yes, you're eating that. Okay, if you saw mm-hmm. some of these animals walking around, like you know, and again. We're going to go down a rabbit hole here, but like, you know, people need to be fed. So like, that's why where some of these places um, do exist. I mean, now some of them are so attached to the dollar, okay, that they streamline everything. So they're going to pack in these animals as much as they possibly can because they want that freaking money, dude. Yeah. Um, We can't all have these animals graze on, you know, on grass and uh, run freely. I mean, in a perfect world, absolutely. But you know how many different things need to change for that to happen? You know how many, like, I mean, golly, we could just go on a complete tangent on what all would need to be changed and how that would need to feed everybody and how regulations need to change and money needs to be shifted. And listen, I got news for you, man. There is no money in healthy people. So that if there's any way that I can feed the system <laughs> to make you unhealthy and yeah. then pump you full of drugs and then put right, bro, come on, man, right. y'all are you're you're losing your mind. You're fighting a losing battle if you think that the system is going to allow that. So mm-hmm. anyway. that's right, that's right. I mean, the bottom line is you want clean, free range, organic protein. That's the best way to get it. Go out and run an arrow through it. I mean, <laughs> that's it, dude. And if you want to feel you know super righteous and yeah. Go go freaking bow hunting. Maybe even do the long, uh, the long bow things like that. But yeah. if you're doing a compound bow, I mean, damn yeah. dude, yeah, you're still doing it. That yeah. shit is not easy. And you didn't you didn't elk hunt last year, right? Did not elk hunt last year. Where was I last year? I can't remember. I went with my father to Montana over uh, in Missoula. Wow. We went fly fishing, dude. That was that was an incredible oh, place. Because my one of my favorite movies is River Runs Through It. Yeah, you're right. That and um, what else, what is the other one? Uh, Legends of the Fall. I always thought I was really cool and looked like Brad Pitt. So <laughs> I wanted to be just like bro with the long hair and the cowboy hat. Oh yeah, yeah man. 
I dig it. I dig it. But you're elk hunting this year in Colorado? Correct. Going out and elk hunting, bringing dad, we're probably going to, definitely going to use a guide. Um, yeah. Code of the West Outfitters. Nice. And um, there's a bunch of raghorns out there, but the numbers are pretty high. Yeah. I don't need to kill me a 390, 380 no. elk. No. If it's close to no. 300, bro, I'm completely okay. Get my dad out there, and we're going to be on horses and that's like the thing that he wants to do, man. So I'm like, hell yeah, That's let's awesome. freaking do it. But I mean, I look at some of these guys, man. Like, you you have to be in tremendous shape to do that. I mean, you look at, um, I tell you that I haven't seen a bunch of really fat elk hunters that that pack their no. stuff up and down the mountain and no man those guys that are doing the walk-in high country stuff like yeah. the high country mule deer and things like that i mean you can't be a slap job and just like do that like you know uh, you know kind of like lower country elk hunting and stuff like that you know you can kind of get away with it a little bit but uh do you have to like you know deadlift a thousand pounds and no. squat 500 pounds to do that no no but you got to be able to walk and breathe but you gotta be have a little sense to you man i mean you got to be a little bit you have to take pride in you know your body somewhat to you know make mm-hmm. something like that happen dude mm-hmm. but you, you you know what you just described um is you can take the same four kings are great core values that we started talking about and, and apply them to hunting, especially like we're talking about pursuing elk and with a bow, Yep. just as you would apply them to corporate life. I, I mean, the first one we talked about relentless determination, never give up, keep glassing, keep listening, stay alert. Staying alert is a big one. I mean, how many times have you decided to take a quit nap, uh, relax in oh, a yeah, blind? That's and it. that's precisely when that buck you've been waiting for for like four hours steps out Bro, of the food I've had plot. That happened so many damn times. Yeah, or that you know that elk that's been bugling his ass off since dawn, and then he goes quiet for hours. All of a sudden, he walks. You know, he works his way into an opening in front of you, or a group yeah. of mowards that you had given up on like twenty minutes earlier. All yeah. of a sudden, now it's they're pitching in always, through the trees. It's always when you're quiet and you're not paying attention. Yeah. Um, so having a relentless determination and mm-hmm. staying alert is critical. You said if he doesn't know, teach him. It's all about education, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you have to know the terrain and patterns of the animals that you're pursuing. You have to know how to read ducks' reactions uh, to your calls to know what sounds not only do they want to hear, but when they want to hear them. Um, yeah. in, in a corporate setting, you have to know your market as well as your competition. We, we do a – a SWOT analysis, a strength, weakness, uh, opportunity, and threat is something I focus on daily. Can't do it without education. And I couldn't have done that unless somebody taught me. Yep. Um, Grace, you mentioned, which is what you're really talking about is, is uh, in its core, patience, mm-hmm. right? Um, Builds from the competitive intelligence you've gathered, exercising patience, which is a form of grace, and then executing with the new skill sets you've learned. I mean, these guys that you're working with, they're patient, they have grace, they're learning how to transform uh, their aggression and channel the way that they think and they act, and then unity. Because, look, there ain't no way you pull off the things that we just discussed all by yourself, right? Mm -mm. Absolutely not, brother. I mean, I've seen some of those elk trips where they, like, pack camp in and pack camp out, and I'm like, crap, I'm exhausted just watching it. I know, man. It takes a team. It takes a team for sure. 
what did we uh what did we what did we forget man what did we want to cover that we didn't cover dude i think that's it man but i do know i'm headed down south to fish here in a couple weeks it ain't even that long i don't think is it no three weeks and i'm i'm gonna be off the coast of venice dude we're gonna catch some wahoo and tuna and i freaking can't wait and then april i'll be turkey hunting in oklahoma so I hope the weather calms down, man, because it's been like today. The wind's blowing north twenty, and it's cold. It's cold outside. Yeah, I have faith, <laughs> my friend. Yeah, man, you're gonna look me up when you come down. Absolutely, dude. We're gonna stay. We're gonna stay an extra night in New Orleans, but I may mm-hmm. come down a little bit earlier uh, just to kick it in, freaking Nola, dude. There's a lot yeah. of rich history down there. I want to go be a part of that and catch me a beer. Yeah, there's a lot. There's there's lots of well, you know, tomorrow is uh, Mardi Gras. Ooh. <laughs> no, I'll be working tomorrow. <laughs> Negative. <laughs> I feel you, man. Well, um, again, for uh, why don't you give out some information how people can uh, can hook up with you? And uh, I mean, I, I've just I've really enjoyed our interaction so far and the little bit of time that we've gotten to know each other. I'm looking forward to doing more of it. But um, let people know how they can reach out to you and connect with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely, man. So kingsofgrid at gmail.com. Uh, if you're interested in nutrition, uh, James at IN3Nutrition.com. And then just the Instagram handle, uh, at underscore J Lancaster underscore. I put out some pretty decent stuff. It's nothing It's nothing super crazy, but I try to, uh, I don't know, try to share what I'm doing in life and try to be inspirational. No, no it's it not is. that bad. I'm just no, man, it is. Life, dude, and I want people to kind of see the world from a bigger you know bigger spectrum dude i try to have a good time and i try to you know i try to um, you know love on folks and i don't know man i try to make sure that everybody knows dude you might be going through some stuff man but you got a team behind you we're gonna be all right yeah that's good stuff man we're gonna share a tree next year let's call some ducks in absolutely Oh, I can't wait. Well, brother, look, again, thanks. I appreciate uh, you spending so much time with me. And you guys go hit James, James Lancaster up on Instagram, send him an email, get involved. And, look, the programs that we talked about earlier um, with Kings of Grit, nonprofit, it's really a super, super program. So keep, uh, like Casey Kasem would say, keep your feet on the ground, keep reaching for the stars, dude. <laughs> dude, what a way to end it. I love it. All right, bro, talk to you soon. See you, boss. All right. Thank you all for joining us today on the No Limits podcast. A big, huge thank you to Tangle Free Waterfowl, makers of the finest waterfowl bags, blinds, decoys, and accessories in the galaxy. Don't just take my word for it. Go to tanglefree.com and read the reviews. Hundreds of five-star reviews on just about everything they produce. It's fantastic gear. How can thousands of waterfowlers be wrong? Also, much love to James Lancaster, founder of Kings of Grit, a proven program that teaches inmates the four core values they need to be successful not only outside of correctional institutions, but while they're serving their time there too, inside the institution. Uh, The really great thing that I learned about that program is the application to just about every facet of life, no matter who or where you are or what you're dealing with, simply fascinating. Uh, If you're interested in getting in better shape or just being healthier, please reach out and connect with James. He's a phenomenal resource. No matter where you live or what you want to accomplish, James can help you plot that course to reach your fitness and nutrition goals by 
applying the same four core values that have already proven to be successful. You can email James at kingsofgrit at gmail.com or James at in3nutrition, in the number three, nutrition.com or through Instagram at underscore J Lancaster underscore. Until next time, thanks everybody.